Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And there is one who withholds what is justly due. That means he is stingy. And yet it results in only want, meaning he has, but he feels like I still need more, 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 more. You could write the word, I'm a hoarder. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. He who withholds grain, the people will curse him. But blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. In other words, sells it makes it available for those. It's not that you have to give everything away, but it means that you just don't hold it for me, myself, and I. When you have it by yourself and you don't need it, will you provide it for others? Stinginess. Have you heard the illustration? It's been around so long, some of you are old enough to have heard this about how they catch monkeys in some jungles. They have this little, you know, ceramic thing that they make out of clay, you know, a pot, and they put a little, little hole in the top of it and put some food down in there. And the monkeys will go in there and then they'll reach in for the food because they want that food, but they hang on to that food and now they can't get that pot off their hand. And when they do, they can't climb. And so then the people in the jungle who eat monkeys, they can capture them a lot easier because that monkey is greedy. It's the nature of monkeys, so I don't want to put them into a sin category, but I want you to say, I, and I'm not from a monkey, okay? I might monkey around some, but I'm not a monkey. But don't lose that illustration of stinginess. Sometimes collecting and gathering more and more and more creates a greater problem. So here's the positive. A generous person recognizes that all his possessions belong to the Lord and he uses them for his glory. A generous person recognizes that all his possessions belong to the Lord and uses them for his glory. I'm blessed to be your pastor at this time in the history of this church. I don't know how long that will be, it's up to God, but the point still is this. I get a chance to see many of you who are definitely not stingy. You have poured out your money to one another. We've got people in our fellowship here that got tremendous needs. The sacrifice that you're making for them is a model by which many people could follow. And you are very, very generous, and there's no but at the end of that. But not everybody is everybody. So you might want to look at yourself if there's an area that you might have a need. I, I heard this story. It was so cute. I love telling this one. This one I really like to tell. The little boy went to a candy shop. You know how they had those general stores? You go to these little country towns. And he's there, and he's looking at this case full of candy and looked up at the man, and he looks at this candy and looks at the man, looks at the candy, and so the grocery guy says, you know what, I bet you want some of that candy. And the boy just nodded and said, yep. So he brings out this, this jar with all this candy in it, and he says, okay, take, take some. And the boy went, nope. No, 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 go ahead, take some. No, 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 I told you, 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 go ahead, reach in here. Take as much as you want. The boy says, no, no, no. So then the grocery guy says, okay, put your hands together. So he then reaches into that bowl, grabs a handful of, dumps it in the kid's hands, you know, and the kid walks out like this, and he looks over his shoulder and says, thank you. And then the man says, well, how come when I offered it to you, you could take it, you didn't take it. And, and, and then when I gave it to you, you took it. He and the little boy says, because your hand is bigger than mine. <laughs> I love that. I love that. 
And I hope our hands are big and we're generous to those that just don't have. Let's go to the second uh, violation we might have. <clears throat> Hastiness. Hastiness. God does not want us to be hasty. I'm going to read a number of verses here. The operative word is hurried and hurry and haste and hasten. So get your pens ready here. It says, An inheritance gained hurriedly at the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Well, I think some of you recognize that you may be in line for an inheritance. It's not wrong. It's part of the biblical nature of it. Generally, it's supposed to be where the parents give it to the grandkids. Okay? It generally goes that way, the Old Testament says. But it's not anti-biblical to do it some of the other ways. But the point of the matter, there's inheritance for many of you. Maybe not all of you, but there is an inheritance. But what it is, is don't manipulate to get that inheritance early. Don't count on that inheritance, because at the end... Those who might give you that inheritance might just decide, I spent all the inheritance, ha, 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 and you don't get anything. So don't go after it hastily. Don't count on, a, on an inheritance. So you just let that person, if it comes to you, that becomes another provision from God because he loves you. And at that moment, in his love, he said, you needed this and I gave it to you. Others he doesn't give that to, he says, I love you as well, but you'll get it another way goes on to say, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. Diligent are the hardworking, focused people, the ones that really see life for what it is, a work ethic, managing of their funds, etc. But everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. And hastiness can come with just, I got to buy this, got to have this, got to have it now. I often think of young people wanting now what took almost a lifetime for their parents to get. Did you catch that? Now I'm going to bring it into church. When you often put young people in positions of leadership uh, because they have grown with this deep value system of now, instant now, and uh, they can vote you into debt as a church, if you know what I mean, and they're Fickle might be too condemnatory of a word, and I don't mean to be so pejorative, but the point of the matter is they, they move around a lot, so they'll vote you into debt, and then they'll leave you in debt and go somewhere else. Did, did you catch that? So what you want to do is to begin to teach our people to be content. What do we have? doesn't mean we won't pray. doesn't mean we won't plan, but we're going to give it all to the Lord as we move forward, and it's not like you got to have it. If we build it, they will come. And usually they're the debtors, you know, the, the banks. So you want to be very careful. Let's go a little bit further. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. A man with an evil eye hastens. There it is, the eye, the in, inner man. He hastens after wealth and does not know that want will come upon him. He thinks, I'll never be without Keep on getting more. And so hastiness is so, so very important. I'm going to encourage you to shop around when you buy something. Be careful for impulsivity. We say this to those that have problems with alcohol, with drunkenness. We tell them, don't have a business meeting at a bar if you have a problem with drinking. Wouldn't we say that? If you have a problem with lust, we would tell them, don't go to the beach or go to a beach that doesn't have all that stuff parading in front of you. 
Well, if you have a problem with you can't go shopping unless you bring home something when you go, otherwise you wasted your time, then take someone with you that will be there as a little verbal loving governor or don't go out so often. Okay. So what's the positive of that? I call it a discerning person makes present decisions to avoid future failures. A discerning person makes present decisions now to prevent future failures later on. I think that discerning person is one that really needs to know God's Word and really has a deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. It's the only governor that we really have 24 hours a day wherever we go that will help slow us down at times. And what a model he was, wasn't he? Wait for the Lord to bring it to you. Would you allow me to share a personal illustration of, of this in my life for a moment? <clears throat> I, I was raised with a good dad. And if you weren't ra- reared with a good dad, then um, I, I do feel sorry for you. I, I, I just, it was unfortunate. But I don't want you to feel like your life isn't any good. God loves you. He will provide other people in your life. There's no need to blame your past for that. I'm just saying I happen to have a good dad, at least in this area. There's other areas, and I'm sure he certainly wasn't. But one thing about my dad was he was very careful with his funding, and he really reared his family, particularly his son, uh, with good financial management. And I was a hard one because those of of you who know me, I'm I'm almost a driver. My mind is always thinking. I'm I'm creative. I'm vision. I want to get there. My mom would tell you if she was alive today, she would say, my boy Stanley... He always wanted to run before he ever learned how to walk. You know, that's who I am. And my dad was that financial governor in my life. And so I came to my life one time when I wanted to get on radio with Make It Clear. I had the vision to do Make It Clear on radio. Those of you that listen to us on radio, you, you hear that program. And when I did, I said, Dad, I researched it. This is, the, re- this is the, the recording equipment I needed. This is my soundboard. This is the special microphone that does it all together, and I need to get this. And he says, do you have the money for it yet? He, I said, I have some, but not all. He said, well, don't, don't buy it. If you're doing ministry, don't go in debt to get that. If you're really doing ministry, then why don't you believe in a big God to take care of you? And I said, yeah, that's a good, good point there. So I waited. All right, next month, all that equipment in the trade magazines for recording equipment that I was getting, because, you know, you're following, you want this. I, I looked at the magazine, and would you believe that entire stuff was discounted $1,500? And so I went to my dad, and I said, Dad, I could lick your face right now. I want to thank you so much. You are such a wise dad. You told me to wait, and don't be so quick. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. It came down $1,500. And he said, well, do you have all the money? I said, I have all of it, but $200. And I, and I said, so that, I can get it now. And he said, no, no I, I think you ought to just wait. And I had this vision when we were living in North Carolina. Well, never had the money for it. I'm now in San Antonio. Carol and I were led by the Lord to go to San Antonio. Unpacked the house. First thing I did, I made a beeline to the radio station in San Antonio, the largest Christian station. I went in there. And the man that was behind the desk, I, I gave him my vision for the program. At that time, I wanted five minutes a day, five days a week. And in five minutes, I wanted to share with those listeners on the Christian station, how do you share the gospel clearly with someone? And every day would be a little vignette on how to do that. And I would just go throughout the year doing this. I'm looking at you. I'll never forget. He stood up so fast. 
that his office chair with rollers slammed up against the window in this nine-story building. And he said, that is the greatest idea for a radio program I have ever heard. You know what? If you let us, we will produce that program here. I will give you keys to the building and keys to the office to this radio station. I will show you how to use our multi-million dollar equipment, and you can produce it all here, no charge. I want you to know that uh, God is good. Where God guides, God provides, and where God leads, God feeds. And when that happens, I'm just saying, let's not be so hasty. It doesn't mean don't move ahead. I'm a driver, you know that. But at the same time, let's let a governor call the Lord lead us in how we do that. Watch out for hastiness. Become a more discerning person into his will. Here's another character trait. Stubbornness. Have we violated God's principles and we become stubborn? And let's read the verse. Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. Neglects, discipline is teaching. It's not always, you got spanked, you got spanked. No, it's neglecting that discipline. It's, a, it's, a, it's an instructional, it might be a little bit more heavier, but it's discipline. Who neglects, that, neglects the habits that come from discipline. But he who regards reproof will be honored. It didn't say when he'd be honored or how he'd be honored, but it's a promise of God. You can trust this. It says, a fool rejects his father's discipline, training, teaching. But he who regards reproof is sensible. You're a wise guy. He who, whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. You'll have other wise guys around you. And what that means, you'll have a greater, broader, deeper, wider council of advisors. You can't get any better than that. It goes on. But he who listens to reproof acquires understanding, but he who neglects it despises himself. So you know what happens when you despise all this reproof you're getting? You're really despising yourself. You're doing damage to yourself. The word despise is often defined as thinks less of, thinks down on. You think down on yourself. So it could be, and I don't want to get psychological on this, but I'm wondering sometimes if we have such low a self-esteem because we don't see ourselves through the eyes of God properly, that now we think we have to get all of this stuff and we're going to bypass all this wise wisdom we have out there that's coming at us, and we go out and we do what we want because we've already despised ourselves. Now we're just revealing it because there's a deeper issue in there. And I, that's as far as I want to go that low. All right, the attitude, it's my money, I'll do what I want. And that's the danger. That's the stubbornness. I can do what I want. That's the American pioneer spirit. I'll do what I want. All right, what's the positive? A teachable person learns and does what the Bible teaches. Learns and does what the Bible teaches. Let me let you in on a secret. Are you ready? Do you want to hear a secret? I am so passionate about this material in your relationship with God, and I also realize how difficult it is for me to to give it to you because it's like me speak, you listen. That's easy for guys like me. You know, if you spoke out, you know, but, but, it, it, but I don't think that's the healthiest way. You're going to get more material this way, but it's not the healthiest way. The healthiest way to do it in, how can I say this? You need to do it in the context of relationships. So in January, we're going to be launching a brand new corporate study here as a connection group just to talk about God's mind on money from someone who has studied it, someone who's going to lead it, material will be provided for you. You can kibitz with one another. You can disagree with it. You can talk about it. You're going to do it in an in, in a, in accountability group, a group of people that are very much like you. And you know what? I'm looking at the clock, and I've got to get on with this. 
you don't laugh because there's people in here that know that this message actually had another half that was supposed to be preached today, but Jill helped me cut it in half this morning and reprint all this stuff so I wouldn't preach it so you'd have a shorter message. Aren't you glad? All right, next one is laziness. Laziness. Go to the slugger, go to the ant slugger, observe her ways, be wise. She has no one to no accountability person. Officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest, which basically means she takes care of her basic needs of life. That's what it's all about. It's not about having a better ant pile. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A lot of laziness, a lot of sleeping stuff goes in there. Let me, uh, you got that passage, Proverbs chapter 6. How do you like Proverbs 20, 13? It says, do not love sleep. You know, long afternoon nap, sleeping late going to bed early, just sleep all the time. You'll become poor. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with food. And then it says later on in Proverbs 26, this one is a real killer. It says, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. A lion is in the open square. I can't go out there. And you'd all say, that's right. Don't go out there. There's a lion out there. Let me tell you something. This is what's so stupid. The sluggard is saying there's a lion out there. Lions don't live in the open square. There's a lion in the mall. There's no lion in the mall. What a dumb illustration that is. You catch that? So this is why the sluggard is coming up with all of these excuses for them not to have to go out and do something. And that's what he's saying. This is a dumb excuse. All right? It doesn't work. It doesn't hunt, like they say. It goes on to say, as the door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. What does that mean? Think of a, think of a, of a, of a door. It just opens and closes, but it goes nowhere. It's like a guy on a bed. Never goes anywhere. Just lays in bed. Just rolls all around. Doesn't do much, okay? And that's what it's saying. You're just like a door that goes back and forth, back and forth, but you never go anywhere. Never do anything much. And then it says, The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. Basically, sluggards give excuses. Wise people give reasons. He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits, pipe dreams, will have poverty and plenty. I put in my margin here, an overextension of hobbies can sometimes be an empty pursuit. doesn't mean don't have hobbies. All the great men of God had some kind of a hobby, whether it was photography or, or uh, other things. Uh, but be careful that it doesn't just take over in your life. So here's your point. A diligent person applies concentration and effort to assign tasks. A diligent person is willing to apply concentration and effort to assign tasks, willing to work hard, more jobs, longer hours. Next is indulgence. Indulgence. Listen, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. You know, if you're with heavy drinkers, you'll probably drink a lot. Drinking isn't free. Cost you money. If you're with gluttonous eaters of meat, you don't just eat a lot of meat. When you do, you, you, you pay more for it. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty. That's true. Remember what I just said. And it says, and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. How do you all feel after Thanksgiving turkey, everybody? How does that make you feel? You know, that's what it's saying here. You eat all this stuff, you're going to be tired all the time. And that's why you don't do anything, so you indulge. So be very careful about that, whether it's clothes, bling, toys, incidental luxuries, longer vacations, it goes on and on. A thrifty person practices economy, personal discipline, and good management. A thrifty person does this. The last is uh, craftiness. <clears throat> craftiness. You could put the word deceitfulness there, and that violates the Lord. And it says, wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases. 
The acquisition of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor. It's the pursuit of death. Often crafty people will violate the law. And if they don't violate the law, listen to this one. Crafty people really do not have any depth of relationships because they break relationships through their deceitfulness. They say one thing and do another. They make a promise and then they break this thing. And so that is a tremendous pain with craftiness. And that's what it's basically saying. You're pursuing the death, the separation, as death means, of a relationship with your mate, with your kids, with your parents, with the bank, with your friends. So craftiness. So I put down a truthful person provides honest words in the sight of all people. Provides honest words in the sight of all people. Well, I'd like to close with this thought for all of us. I want you to know that it may seem that you came today or watching here on on YouTube that I'm pointing my finger at you. I want you to know that I'm really pointing three fingers back to me. That brothers and sisters in the Lord, we are all in this together. And my desire is that we would be debt-free, at least going in that direction. It can't hurt to be in less debt than we are now. And so that's what we would want. But I have to leave you with this. The indebtedness that we have to the Lord Jesus Christ is huge. We were born already in debt because of the nature. We have now, coming right from the womb, have done wickedness. And so we have broke the moral law of God. And there's a debt to pay. And he says the wages of that debt... That sin is death. And he says, but I don't want you to die. I want you to know God is not a mean, angry God shaking his fist of wrath and fury at us. There is all of that when we die and go to hell. But he says, I don't want you to have that. He says, so I'm offering to you my loving hands that were pierced for you on the cross. I died there. I shed my blood. I took all of God's wrath that is meant for you all on myself so that that debt would be canceled. And Colossians 2 says, all sin was forgiven us. The moment we take Him as our Savior. What we're really saying by that is, I can't save myself. My works can't get me out of that debt. I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. You're the debt canceler. And I'm coming to you and I'm trusting you to do this because you said you would and you're not a deceitful, crafty God. You're a loving Father that keeps your word. And you did this for me on the cross through Christ and I'm now accepting Christ as my Savior. And praise God, my debt has been canceled and I have eternal life. Now let me live a life of thanking you for that. And that's when we do our communion. We are remembering that the Lord cancel our debt on the cross for you and me. We don't do this so he would do that. We're doing this because he did do that, and we now have eternal life. So as you chew on that wafer, I want you to think every bit of your sin was canceled. His body was shredded. It was a butcher shop cross experience. And he offers to you the full free forgiveness. And we're taking this to say, thank you, Lord, and you're coming back.
Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for today and this message as it comes together with communion. Now that may be a stretch for a lot of people, but not for us here. This is a good way to end a message. And why am I short of money? What about all this indebtedness that we have with fellow man? And then to see the most horrific indebtedness we've had to you. So, Father, my prayer is if there is anyone that's listening to my voice right now that has not come to you to have their sin debt canceled by placing their faith alone in you, that they would do it immediately by simply trusting in you and only you, not their own good deeds or their religious commitment. And if they've done that, I pray they might share it with someone so we can rejoice with them. But, Father, I pray for the rest of us who have trusted you as the Savior that as we do this time of communion, we will settle into this very, very precious time of seeing this as a debt-canceling experience. And, oh, Lord, we look forward to your soon return. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.